teamwork. <clears throat> uh, today's Bible reading is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 16. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 16. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man and when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would, would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That's the end of the reading. Well, good morning. I'm so excited because it's taken me six years, but I finally got Chris Thornhill to wear shorts on a Sunday. You look, you look fabulous, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> I'll see what I can try next year. I don't know. Anyway, let me say a prayer. Father, thanks for this chance to... Uh, share this morning, and may you use this message for your good purposes, in Jesus' name, amen. 
One day, a, a young girl in Colombia received a New Testament at her school. And at home, she started to read it until one day her father caught her reading it and he said, stop reading that book. It's full of lies and fantasy. But secretly, the girl kept on reading it at home because she found in it something intriguing and attractive. But one day, her father came home unexpectedly and he caught her reading it again. Enraged, he grabbed it from her hands and he put it in his pocket. As she had failed to obey his instruction to stop reading it, he simply took it from her. And the father went off to work at the nearby mine where he was an engineer. And several hours later, the sirens went off. And the sound of sirens at a mine is not a good sign because it means there's been a cave-in at the mine and it's disaster. And the father was, was trapped in there along with 30 other men. And for days and days and days, families and friends waited at the mine entry as the rescue teams worked frantically to reach their location. And after five days, the team finally made it to where the miners were trapped. But it was too late. All 31 men died, including the father of the little girl. When the workers found the girl's father, they noticed that he was clutching the New Testament between his hands. And when they opened the front cover, they read a note to my daughter. Keep reading this New Testament. It is true and right, and I will see you one day in heaven. Love, Papa. And they gave the young girl back this New Testament, and she began looking through it, and she turned to the page where the sinner's prayer is located, and one can sign one's name as a reminder of the time of one's conversion. And there at the bottom was her father's signature. And this man who had initially rejected God's promise of eternal life by God's grace had his scales removed so he too could see the light. I didn't read about it, but I'm sure the daughter was praying faithfully for her father because that's what saved people do. They pray for the unsaved around them. And so a young girl received a New Testament from her school and God used it for his good purposes. And someone in that school, I don't know who it was, permitted the distribution of God's word because he or she believed in the priceless value of giving young people the scriptures. And that person was, of course, a person of faith. And that person believed that lives could be changed eternally and God responded to that person's faith. We have a faithful, faithful God and God's faithfulness is evident throughout his word and throughout all time. God is faithful to us and believers respond in faith to God and he is completely faithful to his gospel which is absolutely unstoppable. In fact, faithfulness is all about who God is. It's his character. It defines him. But how do we describe or explain this idea of faithfulness? Well, the Hebrew word for faithfulness is emunah. 
I did a little bit of biblical Hebrew a long time ago, so I'm not sure, but I think, let's say it together, Emunah. Not bad. It literally means to, to act with firmness, to act with firmness. And this noun appears many, many times in the Old Testament and derived from it is, um, is a verb stem, uh, aman, and that means to be firm or to be secure. And one example of this uh, verb, aman, to be firm or secure, can be found in numbers. Did I, con did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? And that, that nurse carrying, that word to carry is this aman. So the nurse is faithfully holding this baby and keeping the infant safe. Another example of aman is in Isaiah. I will drive him like a pig into a firm place. He will become a seat of honour for the house of his father. All the glory of his family will hang on him, its offspring and offshoots, all its lesser vessels, from the bowls to all the jars. And so again, this idea of ramming the peg into the wall to hold something secure so it doesn't fall also comes from that word, emunah, to act with firmness, which is the word for faithfulness. So really, emunah conveys the idea of rock solidness. And this is, and the word we all say at the end of a prayer, amen, also comes from emunah. It means so be it. And emunah is all about the unchangeableness of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is about God following through with what he says he will do Every promise God makes, God keeps, every single one. So we're going to look at these three aspects of faithfulness, that God is faithful to his people always, sometimes we're faithful to him, and lastly, God is faithful to his plan of salvation to the nation. So let's start off with uh, looking at how God is faithful to his people and let's go right back to Genesis 3, where we read about uh, the fall. Following the rebellion of Adam and Eve, God made a promise, and it's the very, very first mention of a rescue plan to save the world from the devastating effects of sin when it entered the world. And the Lord said to the servant, "'Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals.'" You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life and I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And this is the first mention of the gospel and it points to the coming of the Messiah who will crush Satan's head. And here we see evidence of God's faithfulness to his creation, his faithfulness to humans. That he, will send, that he will send a saviour to rescue us from our sins. And this is known as Proto-Evangelion, or the first gospel, and it's really remarkable. After all God had done for the first humans, having given them this amazing garden paradise in which to live, a place of blessing and nothing bad, despite their wickedness, God demonstrated his faithfulness with a promise. 
And furthermore, even though Adam and Eve were banished from, the, from Eden, God still showed his faithfulness to them by giving them clothes to wear, and it was evidence of God's love and care for them. Let's skip ahead now to uh, Genesis 17, where we see more of God's faithfulness. And here, God makes an extraordinary promise to Abraham. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham, which is exalted father. Your name will be Abraham, which is the father of many. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. God makes a huge declaration here. He makes a covenant with Abraham and his future descendants. It's a promise that will last for all eternity and will never, ever, ever be revoked. And please note how God finishes this part of his announcement. He says, I will be their God, full stop. Because they won't need anything else. God will be completely, 100% sufficient for them, end. And this shows God's eternal faithfulness to his people. We can keep going among God's fulfilled promises was that the people of Israel would again become a nation in the land that he says is theirs. And this prophecy in the Old Testament uh, came true in May 1948 with the founding of the modern Jewish state of Israel when Jewish people since then have been returning to their promised home. And we have lots more examples of God's faithfulness. God was faithful to Noah. He said, I will save you and your family. He was faithful to Ishmael. He said, I will bless you and I'll bless your descendants. And he was faithful to Moses. He said, I'll spare the Israelites if they obey. And he was faithful to Jacob by reaffirming his everlasting covenant to Israel. And also God is faithful to his warnings and those who do not accept God's one and only way of salvation, that is the unredeemed, the ones who do not have their names in the book of life, those who are without excuse, the ones who reject God's one and only son, Jesus Christ, will eventually come to know and experience God's eternal and never-ending wrath. Let's go to point two now, which is that about the faithfulness of God's people back to him. So God is faithful, perfectly faithful to his people. In, in return, we, his people, respond in faith. That's the natural response. What's really amazing, though, is that although we are unfaithful to God, God remains completely faithful to us. It's not very cultural because, you know, we say, you respect me, I respect you. Yeah, it doesn't work that way with God. He says, I'll be faithful to you. And let us now move to look at how God's people demonstrate their faith. And, and we do this as an appropriate response to God's grace. God loved us first, so we love him back. And God showed faithfulness to us, so we show it back. And throughout the Bible and continuing today, God uses people of faith for his good purposes. Hebrews chapter 11, we heard today, is known as the faith chapter because it's a list 
of the faithful of the Bible, as they're often, or as are often known, the heroes of faith, all the way from Genesis to John the Baptist, and we, we've heard about them today. We had Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, and, and the list goes on. You know, I really love the story of, of uh, how the walls of Jericho fell down because Joshua faithfully obeyed God's command. And, and Jericho was in lockdown, no one went in and no one came out. And it would have been easy to be a little sceptical, wouldn't it, if you first heard God say, right, you're going to walk around this wall seven times and then blow the blow a trumpet and then shout. And all the walls are going to come crashing down. And if you heard that, you think, really? Is that really going to happen? Sounds ridiculous. But with faith, that's exactly what the Israelites did. And in faith, God made the walls fall down. And the list goes on of heroes of the faith, people who, by the way, were very flawed. God used the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies. And for her faith, she was not killed with those who were disobedient. Yet God blessed these flawed people and used them. And he continues to use people today who are equally flawed for his good purposes. So don't think for a second that God can't use you. Don't think that you are not good enough to be used mightily for God's kingdom. Jesus thought you worthy enough to die for. And the message here for us today is that those who came to, faith, came to God by faith, they also acted with faith. And that's what we have to do as well. The only response to God's faithfulness to us is for us to be grateful by being faithful in return, by being obedient and spending time with him in prayer and in reading his word. Jesus said that following him would be costly. And what God requires of you and me may be countercultural. It may seem impossible. It may cause you and me suffering. It may bring mockery upon us. It may mean separation from the world. It may cost us worldly riches. It may even cost us our lives. But we do it because God said to do it. That's what marks the people of God. They obey God. And that's what a relationship with God is all about. It's about obedience. You obey his call to salvation with repentance and faith. We obey his call to a life of obedience. And that's our faith response to God's faithfulness to us. Robert Moffat was a Scottish missionary to the Bekwana people of southern Africa. And he translated the Bible into the Setswana language. It would have taken a long time to learn the language and then translate it. And one of the things that's really incredible about him was that he laboured for years and years and years in the 1800s with this people and there was not one single convert, not one. And some of his friends in England back home wrote a letter saying that they wanted to send him a gift to, just to encourage him and to keep going and they wanted to show their love to him struggling there in southern Africa. So he wrote back and said, thank you for your offer of a gift. I'll take it up. Please send me a full communion set. And they said, what, he wants a communion set? So they said, oh, well, that's what we want, we'll send it. Would have gone on the ship, no Amazon back then, long time. And by the time this communion set arrived, there were 12 converted Bequana people sitting together, all ready to use that communion set. And Robert Moffat was a man of great faith who anticipated the fulfilment 
of the promise of God to reach the Bekwana people, the struggles were immense in his life and ministry, but he remained completely faithful to the ministry that God had appointed him to do. And number three, let's look at uh, how God is faithful to his plan of salvation to the nations. God's always had a plan to bring us, despite our sin, back to him. And he has had this plan of salvation from ancient of days. And throughout the world, the Lord has graciously implemented many ministries to achieve this plan of his. There's, you know, there's worldwide cross-cultural mission, mission agencies, Christian radio, prison ministry, street evangelism, university campus mission, outreach to the homeless and elderly, Bible translation, gospel ministry amongst indigenous peoples, conversations with friends, unexpected encounters, encounters with strangers, Bibles in hotel rooms, scripture in public schools, and Christian schools are just some of the many, many wonderful ways that God is seeking and saving the lost. Tari Christian College turns 35 years this year, 35 years old. Uh, that's the picture of the first day. Uh, and before then, some, some faithful believers responded to, to God's call for a Christian school in this area. And those people, they had the determination to make the vision a reality. And they used their own hands, their own finances, their own sweat. And in February 1985, the college opened with just 22 students down the road where Dundaloo is today. Lots of Christian schools actually opened up uh, in the 1980s in the country. Two years later, it was much bigger, which of course was God's plan. I think it was about 100 there now in that photo, two years later. And today we've got 650 students and still growing. God's really blessing us in many, many ways. And throughout the college's history, God has been completely faithful. And Christian students have grown in their faith uh, at the school and grown in their knowledge of God's word. And also, excitingly, non-Christian students have come into God's kingdom and parents too, because God uses the school for that. And the college is one school of a much larger Christian school network and we're a member of Christian Schools Australia, uh, which is affiliated with the Association of Christian Schools International, which has over 20,000 member schools. So our school is one of tens of thousands of Christian schools around the world, uh, and Christian schools are just one sub-part of Christian education, which comprises youth groups, Sunday schools, school scripture, Bible colleges, Bible studies, and of course parents raising their children according to biblical principles. They all work together. And co collectively, they have been called into existence to be a part of God's faithfulness to his plan of salvation. God is faithful to his plans and to his promises. Now listen very carefully, this is important. God will be faithful if you ask him to use you as part of his unstoppable gospel. Here's a challenge. How about every day for a period of time, it's up to you, a week, fortnight or longer, ask God to use you that you will do great things. Ask God to use you to do things greater than Jesus even did. Whether you work in the school or if you work in another Christian school or any place of learning 
or if you work in health or in finance or if you do unpaid work or if you're in retirement, in a social group. In fact, wherever your daily travels take you, I challenge you to ask God to use you as part of his unstoppable gospel. And this is a dangerous prayer because you don't know where you might be going. I don't think God will let a genuine request from the heart to be used as part of his plan of salvation to the world to remain unanswered. And as we come to the end today, let's just go back to that wonderful story of salvation in that collapsed mine where that unbelieving father in his hopeless state facing imminent death realised, thanks to God's grace, that the book he had dismissed as lies was in fact complete truth. And he confessed his sins and he accepted the forgiveness of them through believing in God's one and only son. It's a true and great example of the faith of just a young girl who read and believed the gospel message in the New Testament she was given at her school. That it was all true and she faithfully prayed for her father's salvation. And behind that, of course, was someone else who acted in faith by bringing the New Testaments to the school for distribution to all the students. And God showed these people praying, the daughter, the distributor, and probably others, I don't know who, his faithfulness, he showed them his e munah, and he saved the girl's father. But that's not all the Lord God did that day. God said, you pray to me in faith, now I, the Lord Almighty, will show you the extent and the power of my e munah. You see, when that girl turned to the page of confession and saw her father's signature, can you imagine the joy on that girl's face when she saw her father's name there in the middle of her mourning and sorrow? When she saw his name written there as evidence of his conversion, that wasn't all she saw. And apart from her father's signature were another 30 names. And that day in that mine, where all the miners died, God demonstrated his love, grace and faithfulness to all 31 of those miners, each one of them. And upon signing all their names, they all had at the same time their names written in the book of life. And that day, each one, all of them, were raised up to glory. And all because someone believed that telling young people the gospel of Jesus Christ was the best thing one could ever do for them. And way above this faithful person was and is our mighty, faithful God, the Almighty, who was faithful to his people, faithful to himself, and faithful to his unstoppable gospel. Hallelujah, let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. You who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We give great thanks that although we are unfaithful, you continue to be faithful to us. We give thanks for Tari Christian College and for those who had that vision for a Christian school in the Manning Valley. And we are grateful for those many lives, students and family members who have come to a saving knowledge of you. And we ask that you would multiply that number. We give you thanks and praise for Christian education around the world. And we pray that you would please protect, nurture and grow Christian schooling. That more Christian schools would open up so that many more would come to know you. And please help us as Christian school staff to honour you and be good and faithful servants. For your name's sake. Amen.